deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking packs. All right, guys. Stacking Pennies, episode 11. Thanks for coming back. Interesting race. I'm joined by my friends Jonathan Merriman, Mr. Chuck Bush, producing this thing, cutting it up, making it sound good. Alex Bowman, man, earned that thing. What do you think? I think Greg Ives earned that thing. Bowman was lucky enough to be, you know, holding the steering wheel. I don't know what he did to dial up grip in that car. But Danny- hang on, hang on. Before we move on, I'll, I can give a little backstory. So when air pressure is a big thing for grip short runs. So not to get too technical with you this morning, but here we go. When you start, when you fire tires on for like a green flag stop, like we saw a couple of those during the race, your air pressures are down eight and a half, nine pounds down the lefts and like 22, 25 down the rights because the air pressure builds over the long runs. So when you get a caution with 15s, 14 to go, those crew chiefs are bumping the air pressures up so you get those tires to fire off. So maybe we saw Greg Eyes pull a little something out of his sleeve. He had a little something left for some short run air pressure. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. Now, look, Bowman still had to make the pass on Denny. Denny, Denny got out in quote-unquote clean air. Uh, a lot of people were. Hey, little, clean, hey, clean air is important at Richmond. Well, it's people important were upset everywhere. with Denny about taking the bottom instead of taking the top. But Why? When, uh, because it's something for people to fuss about. But he cleared himself, so it doesn't matter. It's a moot point at that point. I don't know if that's even a talking point because you're the leader. You can choose where you can choose the wall and you can choose the apron. Go wherever you want to go. You're the leader. But anyways, Bowman got it done and beat Denny in his backyard, which that's got to feel good. So we had the 48 in victory lane simultaneously while Mr. 48 was making his debut down in Barber Motorsports Park in the IndyCar. With a sweet denim jacket. With a sweet, what was that, a studded yeah. Carvana leather? dazzle. It was, dazzled. Dazzled. It was denim jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Straight out of Blake Shelton's closet. It looked like that denim. He he yanked it from him. <laughs> Riding a moped with his cuffed uh, cuff fire suit. Cuff bottle. Who are you anymore, Jimmy? <laughs> he had do his macchiato. Do we even know who you are? Uh, he didn't finish last. Hey, that <laughs> round of applause. We finished nineteenth. Regardless of where he finished, didn't finish last. No, I mean it's he, he was last both practices. But you know what? Those guys don't mess around. There's only twenty of them, so there there can't be like. Eight or ten slouches in IndyCar because there's no room. That's like half the field. So Jimmy Johnson has a tough road to hoe, man. Those guys get after it. And those cars are what NASCAR is trying to work towards. I, I don't put much stock into that. What, but there is No. No, like single, single. So you got to buy your cars from Delara. And they have somewhat of spec pieces. So uh, if you're off a little bit, I was looking at his practice times. He was only off like 1.2, 1.3 seconds. And that was the difference between being last or being first. So those IndyCar fields are tight. So I'm excited to see how he develops and because he's going to figure it out. Yeah. Get in there racing, get the elbows up. The GOAT, the it, greatest of all time, will figure out how to drive an IndyCar. He it, started 21st and finished 19th. At what point you do you stop having fun, though? Because it looks like he's having fun. It looks like he's enjoying himself. It's It's new. When does that wear off for you? Like the fourth race in, I think, because when he's used to – not having having less people in front of him than there are behind him, uh, I think just the competition meter for for old Jimmy's going to get going to get fired up. You know he's going to be putting the work in to try to make it happen. But um, it's a you know it's a completely different thing. I mean it's like I don't like going from 
run a heavy ass stock car to like Cole Trickle says, right? Like Harry Hyde, his way, my way, ten seconds faster. Well, Jimmy Johnson is in a world of hurt because those guys, Will Power and whoever the guy that won this weekend, Palou, uh, those guys are those guys have been growing up driving open wheel cars. So we wish the best because he's got to go over there and make us look good. He can't go over there and be last, making us look bad. Yeah, good I, luck. I don't, I don't know what the expect. I mean, what's the expectation in terms of you know NASCAR fans? You know, I mean, it's they know it's new. They know yeah. Jimmy's got nothing to prove. No, nothing to so, prove. I mean. I, I, I'm I, I love the fact that his first start in IndyCar is the same day that the forty eight gets back into victory lane since uh what, two thousand seventeen at Dover. Yep. Um so I think it's you know, Jimmy Johnson was always sort of like a numbers guy, like those those numbers kind of followed him. Forty eight and things like that, like mm-hmm. the, the seven and all of that. He always kind of said that those numbers uh followed him. And for that car to win on his first Debut race in the IndyCar series, I think, is kind of one of those like cool moments. To in steal the- an IndyCar term, it's like poetry. Hey, it's like poetry. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think that's just a word. I don't no, know. No, Na- NASCAR would just say it rhymes. It, it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of them rhymers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, man, so Denny again was a dominant car. Now, he was my pick to win, but he did not win. Dominated the race. Short, short restart. Got beat by the forty-eight. Uh, we so we're talking about it here later in the show. Ryan Flores will explain how the eleven car got position, got to to take the choose cone because he came out the pits lead and came in second. So, you know what? I want to talk about it a little bit and get you guys' opinion because every week I look at Gluck's poll. Was it a good race? Yes or no? Very basic question. No context. Well, it was a good race except the finish. Whatever. No. Yes or no? Richmond was give or take 50-50. Did you think it was a good race? Yes, but I'm No, not. no. Yes or no. Yeah, I thought it was a good race. Okay. I mean, anytime anytime there are race cars on the racetrack, there's something for me to watch, but I'm also lifelong NASCAR fan in the weeds, like the technical stuff, really get into the pit strategy and that stuff. So, there's always something for me to watch on there. Chuck um, I only watched the last 50 laps. I was listening to the rest of it. Yeah. Listening to the race. Yes. Watching the last 50 laps. Yes. Because you hear Denny Hamlin's leading. You're like, oh, this is a race that Denny Hamlin's going to go off and win. And then, boom, you tune in for the last little bit on TV and watch it. And you see Alex Bowman walk away with the win. Right. Which is another winner. For the seat, so like it to me, it's checking off those boxes of uh, just about everything that makes a good NASCAR race. I I agree a thousand percent. And all these fans, they all want to talk about. Well, there's tire degradation. We need more horsepower. Let me tell you guys, you could barely get wide open five laps into a run. I mean, you were feathering it. I mean, you had way way more power than what you could put down to the racetrack. And all the people who said no are the same people that want to say, well, give them more power and tires that wear out. And they're the, we same, had people, that. They're the same people who want to have it at night, which has more grip. Right, and it has even less passing. You you cannot please those people. Please anybody anymore. No. So I, th- I love Richmond in the daytime. I agree. Love it. We had tires that were coming. We saw chunks of rubber on the racetrack. You were slipping, sliding around. We had two, two and a half seconds of tire fall off. 
I had fun. Granted, I was hanging on for dear life. We didn't have a whole lot of grip in our old Schluter systems, Chevy Camaro. But when you were sitting there pedaling half throttle, three-quarter throttle at the start-finish line, you can roast them whenever you wanted to. Is Denny redoing his bathroom or anything? I don't know. No, he's trying to get a discount. I think he was. He gave me a little bit of break coming to that stage, so I appreciate that. Man, it's just hard. We're in a hole right now with points because we had a couple uh, tough weeks with getting crashed and breaking some stuff. So we started literally second to last this past weekend and drove to, I don't know, we got to 27th or so. Uh, We finished 21st. Um, But we got a a couple spots. We were fortuitous because the move is – Richmond has so much tire fall off that if you look at the middle stage, right, it's like 80 lap 85 to, I don't know what it was, 160 or something. So some guys elect to split it in half. So you only go 50 and 50 or 45 and 45. Some guys split it up. So you only have to go 30 or some guys split it up in third. So you go 30, 30, 30, whatever the math works out. Don't give me, I'm not good with numbers, but um, I was told there would be no math. Yes. So we decided to go long because judging off previous notes, we thought that we had a better probability of catching a caution if we stayed out and split it in half. And that's what happened. Austin Sendrick spun out Ryan Newman in a perfect spot. I think there was only maybe seven or eight guys that hadn't pitted yet, me being one of them. So we got a caution, come in and put tires on it. We were one of 11 or 12 cars on the lead lap, and we just didn't have quite enough to stay up there, stay up there for a little bit, finish 14th in the stage, and – and then a couple guys that were good enough to get back on the lead lap um, passed us. So, But 21st for the way things have been going for the last couple of weeks, I will take it to the bank, put a couple pennies in the stack, and go on a Talladega. I want to ask this question because we, we joked about it last week when I said that Richmond's a tough track because that's the one track that I've raced on, like iRacing. Mm-hmm. Like the first time – when I went to the Hall of Fame for the first time, that was the track that was coming up. That was the one that was on the simulator, yep. right? And I thought it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. What is driving a track like Richmond like as a driver? Is it difficult? Is it easy? I know Blaney has said in the past that he's not a fan of that track. So what, what's that track like? And yeah. for the fans, when they say, oh, this, is, this isn't a good race. Like, yeah. I got a great story for you, Chuck. St- sit down. Listen, I am already sitting. <laughs> okay, good. You're going you're gonna to want to. So, first time there ever in a K&N car, right? And I'm in, the, I'm in the car in practice, and I'm burying it in the corner, and I'm missing the bottom, and I'm tight centered, loose off, no grip, and we are slow. I mean, everywhere we showed up with the K&N car, we were a top three car any given week. We had to be, and if there were 30 cars there, I was like 28th in practice. So, Dad, I like that. Dad was always there, there yelling at me. But normal, so he went down. He's like, "Where the hell, did Dad? Go? We're trying to throw springs at this thing, try to find some speed." He comes back with Harvick, and Kevin's like, "What in the f- are you doing out there?" I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the first. That and is I was the first like, on the show. And right. I said, "Like, I don't know, man. Like, like I'm lost as last year's Easter eggs out here. I just cannot find any speed." And he's like, "Let me, let me show you something." So he pulls his in-car camera up on his phone, and he's like, just listen to it and watch what my car does. And it looked like he was just driving Sunday afternoon, driving Miss Daisy through the park, lifting early, getting to the line early, wrapping in like a smoke, right, putting it down. So he's like, whatever you heard and see there, just do it. Do it tonight because we raced in the nighttime. 
we qualified prior to this in the back. We, I just like, all right, let me lift early. Let me get to the bottom. Let me roll a little bit longer than I think I'm supposed to. Let me underdrive this thing like 10% of what I think it should be driven. We drove all the way up to second. Me and Brett Moffitt were side-by-side coming across the line. He ended up winning. So that place doesn't warrant any sort of overdriving. You, you got a baby in the corner to get to the line you, So because it just has no grip. It is the most line-sensitive place that we go to on the schedule, maybe besides Martinsville, but Richmond takes more discipline to hit your marks because the entry to one, right, because it's kind of curved, you're kind of loose, uh, so it takes some some feel, and it's just a it's just a weird place, man. It's just S- a weird place. Slow down to go fast is the most mind boggling thing, and I've only driven a race. It's car so once. true. It's now it's not true everywhere because you know some places where we see Kyle Larson, he ain't slowing down no. to going faster. That son of a bitch is picking it up to go faster, and he didn't run very well at Richmond. I just don't. There's certain places that don't fit certain styles, and Richmond being being one for Kyle Larson. Uh, but granted, he's he went to Vegas where you can hang it out, and and he got the job done. So, you know, you saw some. I mean, you got guys that have just a feel for the place, like Denny. He just he knows what the, they have a good car underneath of him, but he just has a feel that that hauls the mail there. And um, and obviously Alex. I mean, that's kind of how Alex is rewind a little bit. Wish we had him on the show, but he said no. Thanks, man. Cool. He had some commitments. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Stack and pennies should be the top of your list of commitments, if you ask me. But we're getting there. We're getting that's kind of where we're stacking the pennies. We'll get there. Remember that the story where he qualified, I don't know, twenty second or something in that BK car and was in the same driver intro truck as Dale Jr. And that's where the conversation started. Like Dale's like, Hey man, good job on that thing. Maybe we need to help you out a little bit. Next thing you know, Bowman was in that JR Motorsports car, driving the Hendrick or the, the Chevy simulator car or the Chevy Sim. Wheel force car, validating their sim on their on their whatever their simulator, and next thing you know, Dale Jr. You know gets a concussion. He fills in and hauls ass at Phoenix, and now look at him, Jimmy Johnson's replacement. It's funny how stuff comes comes around, isn't it? Do you know how many drivers have won in that forty eight car? Four, three, no four. He's correct. Alex Bowman is the fourth driver. Well, Can you name the other? Yes. I can't. I, I can name uh, Jimmy. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, but uh, James Hilton. Yeah, I don't know the other one. Bill Norton. Bill Norton won how'd in I 1951. How'd I miss that one? I don't know. <laughs> it was at he. It was a Mercury at that point. 1951. It's crazy Gardena. about a Mercury. Yeah. Yep. And old James Hilton. Hell, he was driving Arca cars till like three years ago. Yeah. His 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 wins. Uh, Hilton's first uh, win in the 48 came at Richmond. Man. So there's some. Some rhymery. Yep, yep. Things <laughs> is rhyming. <laughs> There's some rhymery to that. <laughs> We're going to Talladega this week, one of my favorite places. Are we having fans there this week? Yeah. It's big enough. <laughs> that was it the is. first place yeah. that some fans came back last yeah. year. Okay. Man, I love fans. I don't, know, I don't know what the infield deal is. That's. Um, the, I'll know we are back when you go on the boulevard and the boulevard is back. That is That will be my – That is when you say, okay, yeah, yeah. NASCAR is back, and baby. Pandemic over, the boulevard is the boulevard of old. Oh, Get the KY <laughs> wrestling going. <laughs> That's a wild place. Uh, God, it is. I've I mean, it's like the, it's – I've got the sign for the big one on the boulevard hanging up in my office. And ready to polish that thing off and give it a go again. It is It is great. Any, any fan who is not – 
experience the boulevard at Talladega. Just go ahead and whatever week we go back in October, that, just go and, and plan on going. Well, you know how everybody's like, oh, man, the boulevard's crazy, but it ain't like it used to be. When we open back up, <laughs> yeah, it'll it's going like to be you, like it used to be on steroids. Yes. Yes. Love mm-hmm. it. Love it. I, I cannot wait to get to Talladega. Probably no boulevard this this week. I certainly won't be partaking in any stuff. There might be COVID on the boulevard, so I will stay. stay. Is that a song? COVID on COVID the, on the boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama sing that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm hey, a- now I know we joke about Merriman's ice cold Blue Mountain takes. He is almost – he almost has a fire take with more than 16 winners uh, locking themselves into the playoffs. I'm standing by that too. I mean, I, look – how many more we have to go until till we get to the to the cutoff? I mean, we're right around that twenty mark, aren't we? Yeah. So, I mean, no, no, we're less than that. A little bit less, but like I don't know, eighteen. I don't know. Me math in my strong suit either. Yeah, uh, I can barely count the numbers on the race cars. Um, but I mean, I like. Well, let's my, just count how many guys who haven't won yet that are, you know we're going to win. Denny, Brad, Harvick, Chase, Harvick. That could have been anybody's championship four going into the season. Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch hadn't won. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Chris Bell's already won. Joey? Joey's won. Joey won. Okay. But, like, anyways, you, you have guys like Austin Dillon who always finds a way to pull something out. You know, you have, you know, Tyler Reddick, who people are saying are, is overdue. You're going to uh, – Stenhouse could win I was, Talladega. I was about to say, Stenhouse, we're going to Talladega. That's a place where Stenhouse has won. You've, I mean, that's a place where – Cole Custer found a, found a way last year to make it win. Almirola can't finish his lunch right now, but is hey, also good at Talladega. He runs six. He had a damn Smithfield bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Oh, boy. Talking about lunch. <laughs> Talk about lunch. But, I mean, so those that's ten guys right there that we named who were in equipment. Did you that, mention Kurt Busch? Kurt can win. Kurt can win. I mean, the outlaw. Yeah. Bubba, Bubba has had some really good runs at Talladega in the past. Like Bubba will be one to watch when we go to Dover. There, there are going to be a lot of guys. There are going to be a lot of guys pressing really hard this week at Talladega to try to get their wild card ticket punched. I mean, hell, I could win. Yeah. And and the thing of it is, why too, not? Is you're we. There's more room now for like not necessarily wild card racing incidents like the super speedways, but we've got five more road courses to go to and yeah. strategies just weird. You catch a caution yep. and it's, I mean, it's going to be super entertaining to, uh, to see if we do hit that 16 mark. That'd be wild. And, and look, I would hate it for McDowell if, if he was the odd man out, if there were 17 winners and, but I mean, what a storyline. I mean, yeah. just insane. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be good for the sport to have that many different winners. Nobody likes Kevin Harvick winning nine races a year. Unless you're Harvick. I, unless you're I, Harvick. Here's the thing. I I do. I want to I, – I, sorry. Huh? Let, me, let me rephrase that. I want to see someone go and rattle off double-digit wins because I double think that – Double-digit win Over yeah. 10, over a third yes. of the season you want to see somebody? How often does that happen? Like, that's a rare feat. So, like, I'm here for those moments when – yeah, I want to see the 16 different winners – but I also want to see a season where somebody goes off and rattles off 10, 11, 12 wins. I, we might see that next year. I, I kind of see that with the next-gen car. I think you're going to see a team hit on something, you know, with, uh, with a certain package that's kind of ahead of the, the innovation. 
uh, and you can pinpoint. I mean, it could be anybody. It could be Hendrick. It could be Gibbs. Hit on something to their cars are just more, way more dominant, and everybody else can have to keep up. Well, let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people attribute the parity that we're seeing this season in that the next-gen car is coming. But I kind of think it's twofold. There is more variety, right? There's not We're not cookie-cutter mile-and-a-half racing every week with the addition of all of these road course races. And there's a lot more variety at the beginning of the year, it seems like to me. So how much is it that these guys aren't, you know, figuring out setups for what we thought would be the bread and butter a couple years ago mixed in with – you know, let's not dump money into this car because we got a new one next year. Well, they had a development locked on parts last year, yeah. so you can't make a whole lot of new parts. Granted, you can tweak on some stuff, but um, yeah, you're not you're not designing a whole new car in lieu of this next gen car coming in. Up next, we're going to talk to the big winner this weekend, John Hunter Nemechek. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, guys. Here with special guest this weekend, big truck winner, John Hunter Nemechek. He is hashtag here for wins, getting all the wins. What are you doing, buddy? Oh, just hanging out. Yeah, I just got to figure out how to win when Kyle's not in the field as well. For some reason, I've only won when he's been in the fields. So, hashtag here for wins when Kyle is here. <laughs> that's Well, that's a damn feat, though. I mean, usually yeah. nobody can even sniff the back of that 51 truck. And here you are. He's the one trying to chase that Ford truck, which doesn't happen very often. That's got to feel pretty good. It definitely does. You know, having the, the team that Kyle assembled around me with crew chief Eric Phillips and uh, all, all my guys, everyone that works on it and everyone at KBM, uh, I feel like we have one of the best teams in the garage and communication is there. All the hard work is there. Uh, there's definitely been some late nights that I feel like you and I are both used to, um, but they're putting everything that they can attention to detail. Um, like you said, we're hashtag here for wins. The whole team is on board and that's what we want to do. We want to go out and win everything that we can stages practice when we have it qualifying when we have it and every race that we attend. Well, you're well on your way. You won over half the stages this year. That's a dang feat in itself. <laughs> now, you were the talking point of the offseason, one of one of the few that were very uh, thought-provoking as your situation was. And you went from what a lot of people would consider pretty successful rookie season 
in that 38 front row car last year, and you decided to go back. You wanted to get in victory lane more often. Uh, so obviously you saw that Cape Cobbush Motorsports opportunity is the chance to do that. And I'll be honest, I talked to you on Sirius XM earlier. I didn't, I was a little questioned, but granted your situation was a little different than mine. You're a little younger. So my goal was to get to Sundays as yours was, but you thought that this was your opportunity to get into a better situation on Sundays in the future. So how do you think that's shaping up and are you still fully committed to the decision you made this year? Yeah, I, I definitely am still fully committed to the decision I made this year. Um, you know, at the end of last year, I didn't know where I stood with front row. Um, it had been a, a good year. We had had some really good runs, and then I had wrecked some stuff as well um, from trying to push too hard of what we were capable of. And um, I, I didn't know if I was going to be invited back to front row or, or what the decision was going to be. And um, there towards the end of everything, uh, myself and Jack Irving from TRD and Kyle and uh, we, we kind of put a plan together um, to, to go run in the truck series for Kyle and um, it was an opportunity I, I couldn't pass up. Um, I, I feel like for me I started my career in, in NASCAR in a Toyota um, when I made my truck series debut. Uh, we were with them for about I think a year and a half and then um, our, our late team owner that helped start it made a, a business decision to swap over to Chevrolet um, with, with all the help that they were going to give us. So, um, it, it's kind of crazy how it all came back full circle. Um, but after the first win at Vegas, I feel like it was very validating, uh, for me to, to be able to get back to victory lane. It had almost been two years, um, since, uh, I had gotten back to victory lane. So, um, it, it was taking a toll on me. Um, mentally last year was tough for me. Um, coming from the truck series where I had won in the Xfinity series where we were super competitive every week and I had won there and then hopping uh, into the front row car last year. Um, we had some really good runs. Heck, we about won Talladega. Um, they're, they're the second race or whatever and um, had some top tens, one, one of the front row's best seasons. Um, but for me, I still struggled with the aspect of showing up knowing that I wasn't going to be in contention every single week. And I always push for more. Um, that's just who I am. I, I want to get to victory lane every chance that I can. And uh, luckily, I'm able to do so with Kyle Busch Motorsports. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> Let's just say you win a couple more races, get to seven, eight, nine wins, and the four truck wins a championship. Now you're sitting there. You'll probably have a deal done before the end of the year, but regardless, what is the next step back on the trajectory of your career? Now, I know you can't obviously talk about some of the conversations that we had behind the scenes, but like ideally, do you jump – over to a Gibbs Xfinity car if there's a spot? Do you jump up to a cup car if there's a, a decent one available? Like what, what is like how, what's your outlook on where you want the trajectory to go back to the top? Yeah. I mean, obviously my goal is to get back to Sundays, but being with a very competitive team to, to win races and win championships, um, whatever that path may look like, or however long that may take, I, I'm willing to, to take that long to get there. Um, being 23 years old, I, I feel like I still have a lot of a racing in front of me. Um, and if I had to go back to the truck series again for another year to go win more races, or if I can get in a Gibbs Xfinity car and go win races there or whatever it may be, um, I, I'm kind of open to those options. I'm not dead set. Like 
let's run a year of trucks and then let's go back to the cup series the next year. Um, or I'm not set on let's run a year of trucks. Let's go win as many races as we can win a championship and then figure something else out. Um, I'm not just going to jump ship or abandon ship just, just for something else. Um, I, I see myself as I'm having fun this year. I'm smiling all the time. Dad life is awesome. Uh, the, truck series schedule is pretty nice as well. Um, so just being able to kind of be in the shop with those guys, um, and, and be competitive. Uh, I, I think the competitive side for me is, is what drives me. And when I'm having fun, when I'm not stressing about things and I can go and show up and study off the racetrack and do everything that I need to prepare and it pays off on the racetrack, it makes me want to continue to do that more and more. For sure. Now let's talk about the stuff that matters. You just mentioned it. How about we talk about some dad life? Uh, we, 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 do you have a three, three week old, I think at this point in time, yep. Aspen Nemechek, congratulations. How, uh, how is it going so far? It's going good. Um, the, the first couple of nights were definitely rough. Uh, we're up every 20, 30 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, so I, I wasn't accustomed to that, uh, right away, but, um, I, I feel like week, I guess one and a half week two. Um, and then she's three weeks tomorrow. So, um, I, I feel like the second week it's been good. Uh, we've been able to get her to sleep for four hours at a time now, uh, four and a half hours at a time. So, um, that's definitely been nice. Taylor, uh, and Aspen actually came to Richmond with me, uh, this past weekend. So Taylor was, uh, the night nanny, I guess you could say, um, Friday night so that I could get some sleep to be prepared for Saturday. But, um, she's, she's kind of taken the reins on that deal and it's been fun. Uh, it, it's been incredible to see her already grow before our eyes, but it's a completely life-changing moment. It's a miracle. Every step of it, it's a miracle. I will tell you this, the first seven months suck. So just <laughs> strap in. There is nothing good about it. They are just a pooping, crying, eating machine. But yep. my little guy now, he's right at the door. You might've heard him. He's walking around, he's babbling, he's having an awesome time. So when you get to about a year, it starts getting pretty fun, which leads me to our uh, our segment that we do with every guest. We ask some would you rather questions. Are you ready? So, Let's do it. Okay. So you just get done running the Southern 500. It's 93 degrees outside, humidity fairly high. You just had a long day. You knocked the right side crush panels out. You might have some carbon monoxide poisoning. The first thing you get out, you have a blowout diaper you have to change or you have to eat some warm mashed peas. What are you going for? Blowout diaper, for sure. You're going for the blowout diaper over the mashed peas. They could be nutritional. I mean, I'm good with mashed peas, but I feel like from being hot and right side crush panels knocked out of it and everything else, the last thing that I want to do is eat right then. I, I think right. I would rather, I mean, you probably can't breathe from the right side crush panels being knocked out and it being 93 degrees. I would take the blowout diaper. You'd smell it. So we'd, we'd be good. There you go. Veteran move, blowout diaper. Number two. <clears throat> All right, listen closely. Would you, re would you rather be smothered in cold custard or smothered by cold custard? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would say in, <laughs> not <Okay>. by. <laughs> you yeah, that's what I said. Smothered in cold custard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a very tough one. I, I think that they're both probably the same. So whatever is less painful. The cold custard is what I'd go with. Sometimes you get a vanilla. Sometimes you get a chocolate. Yep. 
Uh, last one. All right, this is a lighthearted one, but it gives you a little look into the, the thought process of a driver. If you had to pick one car and one track to race on for the rest of your life, what are you going with? Could be super late model, could be cup car, could be truck, could be a go-kart. What are you going with? Ooh, that's tough. Um, does it have to be something that I've ever driven before? No. I'm going to go F1 car um, at Spa. Ooh, I think wow. that would be pretty crazy. First time we've had an F1 car answer on the show, so congratulate. That would be that damn first corner up the hill. That would be – that pucker you up pretty tight. Exactly. You you never get used to it. No, no, you wouldn't. That's true, and it would be different. That's a great thought about it, and it's something yeah. new every day. Well, there you have it. John Hunter Nemechek, continue to get uh, those hashtag here for wins, buddy. We're pulling for you. Thanks for jumping on Stacking Pennies. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right, guys, we're back with another installment of Pit Road Boats and Woes with Ryan Flores, front changer for Brad Kozlowski, reporting from what looks like the Penske weight training room. What are you doing? Hey, man, we're working out. We're getting better here. Just got done with film review. We got, if there's any background noise, I apologize. There's a couple meatheads in here uh, getting some work in. What does an average workout for a pit crew member look like? Uh, for us, the Tuesdays and Thursdays are a little bit of heavy lifting. Um, Wednesdays are more of a optional cardio day. So, uh, so today we're getting some deadlifts in, doing some arms, getting ready for beach season, baby. It is. Be- lake season is around the corner. Hey, anything interesting happen to the old two car this weekend or what? I, I think so. One thing that happened to, to us this weekend is we, we maybe missed the calculation a little bit as a group, um, as far as staying out there, what Delta was, uh, which put us a lap down, uh, which we had to fight back from that. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know as well as I know that's a gamble um, that we think that, you know, all the teams think that they have kind of an understanding for what the fall off is. But that's something, too, not having practice, you don't really get to see exactly what the fall off is, um, you know, when you get to 50 to 100 laps there. So ended up putting us a lap down, but, uh, but we fought back from it and ended up uh, 
you know, top 15. So what, what he's talking about is that there's two different ways to go about splitting those stages at Richmond because the tire fall off is so much. So some guys try to go split the whatever, however many laps are left in the stage, they try to split it up in half. And on paper, it is faster. But when the entire field and majority of the field splits it in thirds, they're coming and they are hauling ass. So they can't really factor in uh, being on the defensive when you got guys passing you. You're not in the preferred groove. So it actually helped us out. We split it in half, but we caught a caution there when Austin Sindrick ran all over Ryan Newman, spun him out. So that kind of helped our day. But we saw – It's not something you see, right? It's only something you see at tracks with fall-off, right? So it's not right. an every-week thing. It's Richmond, Homestead, Atlanta, places like that, Darlington, where you see this gamble take place. But, uh, but yeah, if you miss it, it's big. And, and we, we're going to talk about this here probably later in the show about what constitutes a good race or not. Um, what we saw was a great finish. The 48 car just drove up and passed the most dominant car of the race, the 11. But there was some stuff going on on pit road before that with the 22 leading those guys down for the money stop. And Joey didn't have the choice of pop top or bottom because, because he come out running second. How did those two guys flip flop? Yeah. So that's some, I mean, that was, it changed the course of the race, but it obviously didn't, um, it didn't change the winner, right? With with the 11 and the 22 being pretty worried about each other, the two dominant cars of the day, 48 ended up snookering them. But what happened on the money stop was that the 11 uh, did beat the 22 off pit road. And it was what's interesting about it, the 11 car has been the best team this year. And they've been the best team across all three series uh, from what it looks like. You know, they put Stuart Freeze in the trucks and they put the, the 18 car um, in the Xfinity series. And they, they've been really pretty great um, all the way all the way across the board. But for them to uh, to beat what we usually the, – the rule of thumb is about a second in difference on pit road is what it takes to beat somebody. Well, they, they beat the, the 22 car by five-tenths, and it was uh, three-tenths in the pit stall, the pit crew themselves, and two-tenths on driver rolling time. And I know we had talked about it, and I, I kind of talked to Joey a little bit last night too on just how hard it is um, to maximize your rolling time on pit road. Now, rolling time is – the time the driver gets on pit road till he gets to his stall, and then from the time the jack drops on the left side till he till he gets off pit road. So for two tenths to be the difference there between you know two drivers on the money stop is pretty impressive. Well, and two tenths at forty five miles an hour, or whatever the maximum pit road speed is, might be three or four feet. That might be the difference between winning or losing. That's how tight those guys are uh, fighting for the win at the top end of these these things on Sunday. So. I don't think we've ever talked about, you know, people just assume whenever they come on the broadcast and tell you that the maximum pit road, or the, let's just say the maximum pit road speed is 35 miles an hour. They give you plus five miles an hour. So you could be 39.99. And if you go 40.00, then you are over the speed limit. But there's no like speed regulator, like an Indy car. You literally have a bar of lights and RPMs that you have a range that you try to maximize. But when you go to a place like Richmond, who has a bent pit road, you could be on the inside of pit road. The radius is tighter. That changes your speed, but it's all based on the segment time. So uh, 0.2 miles an hour being the difference between uh, rolling speed by losing the losing the lead or keeping the lead and having choice for the last restart, man, that's uh, that's splitting hairs. So that was pretty, pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I asked how difficult that was, and he said, well, drive down the highway at 60 miles an hour and stare at your dashboard, and, um, and there's a lot more going on on pit road, you know, than that and you you know with the timing lines if you feel like you sped in one you can give it back 
you can give a little bit of speed back in the next and it, it's crazy how fine-tuned that that process is and and kind of knowing your um your situations you know your situational awareness on not to speed on green flag stops and when to push it and then you know we've seen in the box if you're within that two or three tenths of another team you're going to be good you know the 22 uh really you know after watching that stop i was like okay cool they they did it they held serve and then they put the 11 car to to have a, a stop that's just three tenths that's one lug nut you know faster than than what the 22 did and, and beat them out that that is as competitive as as competitive as we've ever seen pit road in my in my whole career for sure so you joey said to use the analogy of drive 60 mile an hour down the highway that is a terrible analogy it's like driving let's just call it 50 miles an hour through like a townhouse neighborhood that you've never been to and you're looking for the house numbers and you have to stop within three feet of a parking spot when there's cars in front of you in front of the stall and behind the stall meanwhile you're just trying to you're trying to save 0.2 seconds of rolling time. So it is absolutely not like driving on the road where you can just put it on cruise control. You're looking for your box. You're looking to try to get around the car in front of you. It is a pain. But now races are, are won and lost on pit road. They always have been won or lost on pit road in a way. But now, you know, when you're splitting stuff for a half a second, it might be the difference between winning and losing. That stuff, that pit road boats and woes are no joke. And you know how hard it is, right? Last week. You got mowed over on pit road. It's just something that happens down there. And, uh, and you know, I saw a lot of stuff, people talking about what could have been done different there. And we can put what we want, but it's, it's very much a bang-bang play there all the time. And, and ten, tenths of a second can be the difference. So it's interesting to see uh, how competitive it is down there right now. And um, ready, pretty excited. This is the end of the first quarter. We kind of break up the season into quarters. To judge how we're doing, the 11 car has been by far the uh, the best on pit road. So we'll see if they keep that up. Where's the two team stack up right now in Dart Fish? So we are seventh at the moment. The last two weeks have hurt us um, because you don't even like last week we had no power steering, so we stopped a little bit close to the wall and it hurt our stop time. But unless it's over, you know, like call it 15 or 17 seconds, every team does it different, then it doesn't get kicked out. You know, they they keep every stop that that under a certain amount. So we are seventh right now. We've been in the top five all year. And, and uh, it, it looks like, um, you know, the 11, 40, the 48 is a really strong team. Kudos to them for winning this. They had a terrible stop in the middle of the race. Thank God. Thank God that they were, uh, they were, there was only 11 cars in the lead lap. So they didn't lose a ton of track position. They had a hose get stuck under the splitter, kind of like what we saw with Blaney last week. Um, but but come back, keep themselves in position, and win the race, man. Those Hendrick teams and the Gibbs teams are really doing it right now. So we're going to Talladega this week. There won't be a whole lot of pit road woes. Besides, uh, a lot of guys are sometimes take rights and fuel, lefts and fuel, uh, but usually don't see races won or lost on pit road. But there are uh, always some sort of woe on pit road from somebody uh, missing their box or missing missing a green flag pit stop even. So what are some things for fans to watch out for this weekend on pit road? So one thing you will see, I mean, you've got to get it right, and you got to get it right the first time. If you have to come back down there and lose the draft, to put you out of the race. But the way that these races, the way that these races have played out um, in, the last, uh, in the last couple years with this new drafting package, the car who comes out leading their manufacturer line is usually one of the one that's going to win the race. So you on that last stop, especially you want to get yourself in position, 
and you want to be the car leading off pit road on that last stop, whether it be right sides, whether it be fuel only, or whether you do four tires, you definitely uh, you definitely want to be in front of the rest of your cars. As we've seen, the manufacturers all work together. So if you're a Ford, you want to be leading the Ford line, or Chevy, you want to be leading the Chevy line, or if you're a, a Gibbs car, you want to be leading the Toyota line. So uh, we'll see we'll see if that plays true this weekend, and um, see who can survive. You get a good you get a good read for it on your video game this week, though, won't you? Oh, yeah. We'll, have, we'll know exactly how that race is going to play out. We have an iRacing Pro Invitational race Wednesday night. Are you going to spot for me? If you need me to, I don't want to step on Beaver's toes, though. Yeah, my we brother. Did, we my did brother, almost you. win that thing last year. When I spotted for we did, damn it. So we're going to try to go get our win this year, Wednesday night, in the old Pro Invitational Series. So iRacing spotter, front changer extraordinary. Still <laughs> He's still – I shipped him the Fort, last Fort lap. Ty Dillon is still in the – He's still in, virt- in the virtual uh, infield care center there in Talladega after oh, that. Oh, destroyed him on the last lap. You know what? Take no prisoners, man. Hit the reset button and get back after it. All right. Get, hey, get in there and do some squats or something. I'll talk to you next week. All right. See you. See you. All right. It's my favorite segment. Heads or tails. Going to Talladega where it's all a crapshoot. I think Merriman's got some jackpot races head-to-head. Tell the listeners what these jackpot races are. Well, jackpot races, you can win $25,000 if you get everything right. And you Where do you find them? Uh, so you just go in the App Store, search jackpot races. You'll see the, the NASCAR bar mark and jackpot races. But basically what it does is it segments you know, a couple gr- drivers in different groups, and you pick who you think is going to finish, uh, finish first. So we'll run through a few of them is here. Is it free? It is free, man. Free you're losing. Play. You're losing money not doing it. Guys. And look, I'm not eligible, but we all know that I have ice cold takes, so they should let me eligible anyways, just to lose. So let listen, me. guys. Whichever one he's about to take, do the opposite, and you're going to win twenty five grand. I'm, I'm going to read some, and I'm going to I'm going to have you pick. All right, easy enough. Let's all right, it. best finishing group one for Talladega: Hamlin, Kozlowski, Logano, Blaney, or Chase. That's loaded. Three Penske cars in there. Okay. What? Who are you taking? All out of. Best finisher out of all those five. Out of all those five. You're basically picking the race winner here. Okay. Uh, I mean, Blaney gets around Talladega good. Um, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with the 22 there. Not bad. All right, I'm going to lock you in with that one. Group two, you have Harvick, Kyle Busch, Truex, Larson, and William Byron. This is interesting. I'm going to go with the 19 there. He goes. Never won a super speedway race in his life. Really? Not in the now, so he is usually on the ride and be conservative program like me. Him and I usually lock bumpers and we just ride around for 499 miles and then pull it tight and jam it in there. But he is locked in the playoffs, so he might try to go get some stage points and put himself in contention to win. If it was me, I'd take Byron, but, you know, that's just that's fine. letting everybody that's fine. know who to avoid, I guess. All right, we'll stop at, at group three. Newman, Stenhouse, Almirola, Bowman, Kurt Busch. You know, Stenhouse and Almirola make this group pretty interesting. I, I yeah, I like Almirola there. I like Almirola. He's he's won there. He's been close to be, to winning multiple times, but he's won one a couple years ago, and he finished backwards there last year. Finished second or third, so I'm taking it. I'm roll. Good cool. old Eric Amendola. Yep. So that's jackpot races. There's a there's a couple more groups you can pick, but yeah, log on there and try to win twenty five grand. Who couldn't use that? So like we talked about earlier, this manufacturer thing has really taken precedent at these speedway tracks because as a Chevy driver, Chevy really hammers. Hey, we got to work with Chevy cars. When I was with Ford, you'd have these one Ford meetings. All the guys would sit in a room. Okay, what are we gonna do? What lap are we gonna pit? All the Fords banded together. And I'm sure all the Toyotas have to do that together as well. So I think that 
well, for heads or tails, who are we taking for the best manufacturer to be the most dominant? Ford's just got the numbers. They do have the numbers. So, and, and Penske's so fast. I'm going to... I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to narrow it down even more, and I say it's coming out of the Penske camp. That's, I mean, that's really going on a branch there, really going on a limb. <laughs> you know, I'm getting tired of drinking cold beer. <laughs> uh, do I, I mean, go ahead, Chuck. I was going to say, do I go out on a limb here? Yes. Like, do, is, this, is this where I go out on a limb? I, I think I'm going to go Chevy, I think. Uh, and the Spire Motorsports number seven? I mean, I, I'll take the Spire Motorsports number seven. I mean, I will. I will. Uh, but what what are your Dagger races usually like? Like, when I think about you and, like, Finishing up front, you're you're the dude I'm always picking in the 500. Yeah, for some reason I just ride around in the back, man. Let everybody crash. And yeah, like three but, to go, I but, jam it up in. But there. you finish in the top ten, pays the know. bills. Yeah. Now you won't you won't win the race with that strategy. I always say it. you got to be McDowell did it. No, he was up in the mix. Well, McDowell has been aggressive with trying to put himself mm-hmm. in position. To, you have to be in the top five or six with like 15 to go to to give yourself any chance of winning. Now, who's who's to say we're not going to do that? But generally speaking, if you're sixth to tenth, that's usually the danger zone of where late blocks get thrown and you get caught up in a wreck. So um, we're going to be conservative. We're going to let the take take what it gives us. Sometimes we, we've had a lot of luck at the speedways the last couple of years. So hopefully we can continue that luck and, and have a good day. We need a good points day. You got you some good finishes there. I'm just saying. That's it. I'm going to take that. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take it. You talked me into it. All right, thanks, man. Hammer the seven this week, guys. Talladega is NASCAR's biggest trek. It's home to some of the wildest wrecks and some of the craziest fans. Things happen at Talladega that just don't happen anywhere else. Some say it's because it's built on ancient Indian burial ground. I don't know if I believe that sort of stuff, but I do know I have seen some crazy stuff both on and off the racetrack at that Alabama behemoth. That's a story I'm about to tell you. I did not witness firsthand, but I have seen the video. Let's go back to the 1986 Winston 500 We welcome you to Alabama International Motor Speedway where the fastest field in the history of NASCAR stock car racing has assembled for today's Winston 500. If you were thinking about doing anything else this afternoon, forget it. As the engine fired, a young man ran out of the infield and hopped inside one of the pace cars. He almost made two full laps and hit speeds over 100 miles an hour as the crowd cheered him on. On the surface, this looks like something you might expect at the culmination of a booze-fueled weekend in the Alabama Pines. But who was this man, and why would he risk everything for a Sunday joyride? Mr. Darren Crowder was a 20-year-old kid from Birmingham, Alabama, who, according to newspaper accounts, was married, father of one whose wife was battling cancer. On the morning of the Winston 500, Crowder drove from Birmingham to Lincoln to take a look at a motorcycle he saw an ad for in the paper. His thinking was it was cheaper to buy a motorcycle than it was to own a car. And Lincoln isn't too far from Talladega Super Speedway. And when he took that bike for a test drive, he got caught up in a little race day traffic. So Crowder decided to follow the cars and somehow managed to work his way in the infield without a ticket. And I guess at some point he just decided, why not hang out here and watch the race? The Grand Marshal that day was Dillard Munford, who was the owner of a chain of convenience stores. And it was the responsibility of NASCAR official Larry Belusky to drive Munford around the track for the pace lap following his completion of his Grand Marshal duties. Here's a quote from Mr. Berluski. It was really weird. Mr. Mumford gave the order, we turned around to get in the pace car, and somebody was driving away in it. And this is about the time that the folks in the TV booth start to notice something isn't right. Well, the pace car 
we understand has been stolen. The uh, officials are not driving this thing, and <laughs> somebody has actually gotten in the pace car and stole it. The camera starts following the pace car as it made its way out of the track. Police cars and motorcycles give chase, and as the Pontiac Firebird came around the exit of turn four, a roadblock had been set up. The car came to a stop reluctantly and soon swarmed by officials and officers of the law. Some strange and bizarre occurrences before the start of the Winston 500. Well, you can see that they're dealing with this individual rather sternly and trying to get him out of the car so that we can get everybody back in place and begin this Winston 500. But boy, what an unbelievable way to start the events here. And you can see more officials, police officers arriving on the scene. Crowder's arrest was nationally televised with Bob Jenkins given the play-by-play. He was eventually taken to Talladega County Jail and was held on a $10,000 bail. Some of the charges he faced were grand theft, unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, resisting arrest, and attempted assault, but apparently not trespassing. The assault charge resulted from the fact that when he was pulling off from pit road, he almost hit a couple of people. Reports said that he had no alcohol or drugs in his system on that Sunday morning. Crowder's trouble didn't end once he got to jail. He attacked a fellow inmate with a boot, and a judge ordered that he should be transported to a hospital for psychiatric evaluation. That's where the trail of Darren Crowder runs cold. There's no report of jail sentence. He just faded back into obscurity to live out the rest of his life in the Iron City. That's Birmingham, if you didn't know. And I think it's safe to say he was a young man under a lot of stress that made a couple of bad choices that day. But the resulting story is one that has cemented itself into the legend that is Talladega Super Speedway. And there we have it. We've all seen it. Darren Crowder, the pace car bandit, rides again. And Bobby Allison, in the Miller American 22 Buick, wins the Winston 500 that day. It was some of the wildest scenes that I've seen in a long time on the grounds of a racetrack. Everybody was out having a real good time and a lot of fun. Well, the track officials are now returning to their assigned positions. And we now will begin to go through the procedures that will lead to the start of today's Winston 500. Thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure talking to y'all. Recapping Richmond, leading to Talladega. It's always a crazy one. 1.30, Sunday afternoon. Be there, Talladega Super Speedway.